Hi everyone and welcome to the new episode of the System Upgrades podcast. Today we'll start by analyzing a bit what happened during uh, last weekend of sports. In particular, we look at uh, winter sports, uh, NFL, maybe a bit of golf and water polo. And then we'll focus on um, three main events that start this week, which are the NHL regular season. We'll look at um, antepost odds for the season. Then we will focus on the America's Cup that starts this week in uh, sailing. And then we will also have a look at antepost odds for the World Handball Championships that also start this week on Wednesday. So for what happened this weekend, the, the NFL playoffs went almost exactly as I predicted in, in the last uh, um, podcast episode. And the only surprise, at least for me, was uh, Cleveland winning in Pittsburgh. When you look at it like exposed, you could tell there might have been some signs in there because it was obviously the first Browns playoff game in, uh, in ages. Browns came into this game having lost 17 17 consecutive games in Pittsburgh. So breaking the curse in the most important situation is something that um, tends to happen a lot in sports. So I should probably have noticed that and I missed it. Uh, But yeah, now we have Cleveland advancing. I think that mm, if you break out the game, it's easy to say that Pittsburgh uh, didn't play as good as they could and that Big Ben is done for his career. I think it it was more instead something that, like a game that for Pittsburgh went badly from the start, from the very first play, and they never recovered. They they were shocked that this was happening to them. And when they start playing well in the second uh, half, where they show when they show like the flashes of offense we came to expect from them, it was too late. Also, because I think the greatest merit of Cleveland was to not to abandon completely the passing game when they went ahead. Even if they are one of the best running game in the league, they were not tempted by just playing conservative and they put up some drives and some scores uh, even after they went up 28 points, which I think was the, the main factor for their win in the end. Now, in terms of the future of the playoffs, not, not much change in my predictions. I still think we, we are on for a Packers um, Chiefs Super Bowl. I thought that the winner between Rams and Seahawks would have a, a nice outside shot of a Super Bowl. Unfortunately for the Rams, they shown they have a very great, big, great defense, probably the best in the NFL right now against the Seahawks, but they lost to injuries to all their quarterbacks. Goff played injured. I'm not sure that good defense and the running game is going to be enough to get past the, the Packers, but they've seen crazier things happen, so let's not count them out yet. And overall, as I said in the last episode, Packers Chiefs as the main uh, scenario for me, but it's not still out of picture the Ravens Rams scenario, which is the one I'm actually invested on in terms of betting because I like the odds of that happening. Uh, so we'll see. It, it didn't start like they were all quite interesting games. For me, it was mostly chalk. We'll see whether the the new weekend is gonna uh, hold up some surprises for us. Winter sports was quite an interesting weekend. Uh, the Tour de Ski in the cross-country skiing is now over. Both you know, dominated the men's field. And six out of the top seven are Russians that obviously take advantage of the fact that Norwegians are not competing. But it's quite interesting. I would have loved to see Norwegians and Russians competing in this Tour de Ski. 
to actually see whether the Russians have made further progress in catching up to Norway. Obviously, when you see six Russians in the top seven, you, you do think about doping, obviously. And that's like a stain that is not going away anytime soon for Russian athletes, which is a pity, really. In the women's field, the field is more balanced. Jessica Diggins, the American, won the Tour de Ski, but it was a, a, a more open competition where Sweden and US show they are best of the class if Norway is not competing. In the Alpine skiing events, uh, we saw the Pantro come back to form and is now actually leading the World Cup. I don't think he's going to be leading it for long. I think that Kild is still the favorite. The slalom field this year is crazy. We have three different winners for the, winners for the first three different uh, events. It's so unpredictable. It's such a difference from like uh, the previous years when it was like limited to two or three people that you think that those are the three favorites for every slalom. This year, like we have like ten to fifteen people that can win it, and it's very good for the for the competition. I think. Whereas among women, I think the uh, Vlova has shown, keeps showing that he's getting better in the, you know, downhill and super G. So I think now she had a better grasp of the World Cup and she's quite far ahead. So it's going to be tough for Brignone or Schiffrin coming back. And in biathlon, I think that we, we enjoyed this duel between Ekhoff and Roiseland Olsbu in the in the pursuit event, and I think that's the duel that is going to set the stage for the rest of the season. And in the in the men's field, the leg grid keeps surprising everyone. It's second in the World Cup standings now, and if Bo keeps, Johannes Tinges Bo keeps like uh, this trend of not showing up for some of the events, then uh, watch out for this leg grid. It's very interesting. And then they have four Norwegians at the top four in the men and two Norwegians at the top two at the, at the women. But they didn't have a good uh, relays this week, so there's still some hope for the rest of the field, especially for France, Sweden, Russia. They come back uh, strong this year. And yeah, and what about golf? It was a very interesting tournament in Hawaii, a very packed field until the there was no much distance between the golfers until the very end of the tournament. It was quite exciting. I didn't get many things right there. I my main horses were Ortiz and Todd. Ortiz played two rounds quite well and then disappeared. Todd was more constant, but and he posted a good result overall, but not what I expected. Uh, Patrick Reed also disappointed me a lot. Two guys that didn't disappoint until the last day were Morikawa and Berger, which were both competing for the for the win until the last round where they didn't uh, perform very well. And it's going to be a great season. Uh, Dustin Johnson was not into the thick of things on Sunday, but... He keeps showing incredible form. I think we he's going to repeat and win again the FedEx Cup standings. We'll have to see his performance in, in the majors, but it, it's going to be a great season, I think, if that's the, the, the initial tournament. And then we had the, the World League European section, which is the most important part in water polo, which gave quite interesting um, results. With Greece winning it all, which is a first, they crushed Montenegro in the final. And Italy come in third, beating Spain in the third and fourth uh, final. So Italy, Montenegro and Greece are going to go to the World League final, the world competition, just before the Olympics, which is going to be a big advantage for them. 
And Italy, which is the world champion, I think is the main winner out of this because the other main contenders, uh, Hungary, which is the European champion, Spain, which is the runner-up at the World Championship, didn't qualify for the World League event. So Italy is going to be an advantage going to the Olympics. And what's surprising is uh, Serbia and Croatia, they dominated the past 15 years of the water polo. And now they're winning. And we don't know how long that's going to last, whether they're going to make a comeback for the Olympics here. But it's setting up to be a very interesting, very interesting and open tournament, the Olympic one. It's going to be difficult to pick a winner and also to pick uh, what's going to be the podium. So, yeah, that concludes my weekend roundup. Maybe we'll do this uh, every weekend. Let's see. So let's start talking about the topics of the day. The NHL season starts in two days. It's going to be a shortened season, only 56 games. And it features a conference or better division realignments because of uh, COVID uh, uh, travel restrictions, which means the Canadian teams are going to have their own division. And it's something that actually favored Canadian teams because it, it, it ended up being the weakest of the four divisions that they created just for this year. Every division is going to send four teams to the playoffs, which means that some teams that are good are going to end up out because they're in a loaded division as some teams that are bad are going to end up in because of the opposite reason, even more so than usual. And that's something to take into account when we look at the antepost betting market. Now, if we go division by division, the central division is the one with the uh, lightning, the incoming champions and the incoming runner-up Dallas Stars. The lightning, as is told, as the favorite to win the division, for obvious reasons, they are they are the winner of the of last year's Stanley Cup. This year they come back with the same roster apart from Kucherov, which is going to be out for the season. And they are the most complete roster and the more proven roster. So I see why they're favorite, but it's very difficult to repeat in uh, in the NHL. Therefore, my my darling in this division is the Carolina Hurricanes. They were my darling in last year playoff, and they disappointed me. But my argument still stands. They're one of the most complete team in the playoffs. Uh, they don't have much urgency because they, their young stars are still have plenty of time ahead of them. So I think they 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 they, they might surprise people. Um, I will suggest to get them at at five point zero odds to win the division, but also the nineteen point zero odds of uh, winning the Stanley Cup are not that bad at all for a team which I think is in the top four five. NHL team right now. Uh, the rest of the, the division is quite interesting because we have Predators, Blue Jackets and Panthers fighting it out for the last playoff spot. Um, I don't have a favorite in this race and I don't think that any of this team has any real chance to compete for the Stanley Cup, so I will look away from the rest of this division. Then we have the East Division, which is the more packed one, is where many favorites are and where it's very difficult to see what's going to happen. The, the New Jersey Devils are going to be the bottom of the division, most likely. Together with the Sabres, they signed a very sexy free agent uh, in uh, Taylor Hall. So now there's the sexy team that everybody wants to look at and the offense, but their defense is still quite bad. So I don't expect them to go anywhere. The rest of the teams are, are, are very good. The Bruins are always the Bruins with uh, their top three players, uh, Bergeron, Pasternak and uh, Marchand all coming back. The defense is 
is revamped because uh, Chara signed elsewhere, but is a solid team, and you know they're going to be there in the playoffs. Uh, then they, we have the Flyers, which uh, uh, were very hot in the bubble. They grabbed the first seed in the East Conference last year because of their hot streak in the bubble. I don't like them to repeat. They're still not a complete team. They lack depth. And offensively, they're not always on top. So I would say uh, fade the Flyers. Penguins is another team that I like a lot. They had a very good defense last year, but on paper, their offense is the main strength. And this year, they are healthy, finally. And like, they are kind of being discounted a lot in the betting market. I'm not sure why, maybe because they're always there. So people just discount the, off, the odds of them winning because they won, the, they won a lot recently and they're always good. But I like a lot their odds, uh, both to win this division, but also to win the Stanley Cup. And then... We have the Rangers and Islanders, which are the wild cards of the entire NHL. Uh, the Rangers, they just, uh, you know, they, there's also a lot of pressure on the Rangers to perform. The rebuild that they went through went very well, and now they are contenders. They could be, at least. They have, like, the, this Russian keeper, Schattenherr, which uh, showed very, a lot of promise last year. If he keeps the good play on, then the, Rangers, the Rangers can be a top contender. More so in the regular season than in the playoffs, I think. And the Islanders were very hot last year in the bubble. I'm not sure whether they're going to be able to repeat, but if they do, they're also contenders. So this division is packed. Then we have the North Division, which is, in reality, you should call them the Canadian Division, where we have uh, the Maple Leafs, as usually installed as the main favorite. This is a team which is always very good on paper, always play very well during the regular season, and then they disappoint in the playoffs. I don't see why this year should be any different, to be honest. For sure, they have they, they are um, their odds of winning the division is 2.2, so it's the lowest among all the divisions and all the teams. But I do think that the Oilers can give them some some fight. Their uh, their odds are 550, the same of the Canadians, but I think the Oilers are a more oiled team, uh, pun intended, and they, they their offensive potential is off the chart. And in a shortened season, it could make a difference because odd streaks of offense in a shortened season tends to account for more of the total output at the end. So I do think their favorite, not favorite, I do think that their odds are nice to win the division, not so much the playoffs. I don't like them to win the playoffs. They don't have the playoff experience probably to pull it. And um, the rest of the field is Canucks, Flames, Jets, and Senators. I think Canucks, Flames, and Jets are going to fight for the fourth spot. Uh, the Jets' main strength is their goalie, whereas the Canucks and Flames are uh, have very good starters, but they the problem with the depth. The second and third line plays, the level of play is it takes uh, a dive. And then we have the West Division, where it's very top-heavy. We have the Avalanche and the Golden Knights installed as the favorites. They're also the main favorites for the Stanley Cup. And, you know, I kind of agree that on paper, but also um, they, they do look like the, the best teams overall, maybe. But they might have the more points in the regular season, also because their division, as I said, is top-heavy. The bottom is not that good. But in terms of playoff, the playoff in the NHL are quite volatile. I don't think you want to take low-odds team that looks like the strongest at the, end, at the start of the season, because even if they accomplished uh, everything they, in the regular season and they're the top team, then playoffs is a crapshoot every time. So I would not 
back those teams. Maybe during the season, if they run a cold streak and they lag behind and the roads climb, then they're good investments. Right now, they're, they're bad investments. Then we have the Blues. They won the Stanley Cup two years ago. They still have the same core. They lost uh, Di Pietrangelo, their star defender in free agency, but they acquired uh, Krug, which is a worthy replacement, I think. They, don't, they haven't lost much. They might get uh, Turasenko back uh, at the tail end of the season. They're an interesting team in the playoffs. I don't like the odds so much as for uh, the Hurricanes in Pittsburgh, but it's an interesting bet. And the rest of the division is quite bad. We have Coyotes, the Wild, Sharks, Kings, and Ducks. And any of these teams can make the playoffs. An outside uh, bet would be to either the Kings or the Ducks to make their playoffs because in the in the odds they lag behind the rest of the, the division, but I don't see them be much worse than the rest of the division, to be honest. Uh, I think that the Coyotes and Wild are a bit overrated right now. When we go to the, to the playoffs, as I said, my main bets, my main favorites to back at the current odds, as I said, are the Penguins at 17, the Hurricanes at 19, the Blues also 19 could make sense. If you want to go for longer odds, which is something that you should always do in the NHL because it's the most unpredictable league in terms of who's going to win it because of the playoff format and also because there are there are many surprises during the season, more so than it happens in other sports. You might have a goalie which is considered reliable that they have a bad season and then the defense takes a dive and the team which is a contender is not longer a contender. Or you may have the opposite. The goalie might be the, the weakest link and then he has a, a breakout season and then you have a, a defensive juggernaut that you weren't um, predicting and they end up being in the playoffs and maybe win it all. So, you always need to play the long odds in the NHL. And the two teams that I like on long odds are the Canucks and the Flames. They both play in the Canadian division, the weak division, so they can get into the playoffs as the fourth seed there, maybe third even. And once they're there, they have the potential to upset uh, the first or second seed and make a run to the Stanley Cup. The reason is that those teams are, they have good starters. They're, they're, they're both on defense and on offense, forwards and centers, they're very good. The problem is that they lack depth. And obviously, the depth is more critical during the regular season and is also more critical in a longer season. Here we have a shortened season. But also, when it's depth that you lack, you might get surprises. You might get players that make uh, outstanding contributions that you weren't expecting. And all of a sudden, you become a great team, not just a good one. So if you want to take out shot bets, that's what I would uh, go with. Canucks and Flames. Um, overall, I think it's going to be, uh, I say this a lot, but it is going to be an interesting season because it's a shortened one, because of the division realignment, because there are several teams that can compete. There are several teams that are uh, going through a soft rebuild process, which is the rebuild process where you don't know whether you're going to suck or you're going to be good during the season so a lot of uncertainties and yeah and I hope we get a great season and we're going to revisit the NHL odds during the season especially before the playoffs because once you know the bracket of the playoffs everything changes in terms of who you want to back because you need to look at the matchups 
So we'll probably talk about it later on the year. The Men's World Handball Championship are starting in Egypt uh, this week. It's going to be the first World Championship where 32 teams are participating, up from 24 in the last edition. I'm not sure I like this development. It's something that also basketball has introduced, where they have a workout with 32 teams. But basketball is a much, much more global sport in handball. Handball really is just limited to Europe, basically. Um, all European teams that are good at sports tend to have a good handball team, except for Italy, basically. And then it's quite popular in Scandinavia and in the Balkans. And those are the two areas where the good teams come from. And then you have uh, nothing else. It's not popular in any other continent. Egypt, which is the host of this World Cup, is decent. Uh, not the contender, though. And they had this abomination of Qatar basically keeping uh, naturalizing players from elsewhere and assembling a world team under the flag of Qatar, which actually made the semifinals in the last World Cup. And that was thrown upon about so much that I think that the IOC told Qatar, look, you, you can't do this. Even if you can, you shouldn't really do this. But yeah, there was a, a digression. Um, recent history, uh, France has been the team to beat up until the last Olympics. They won in 2008 and 2012, but then in 2016, they were running up to Denmark, which are also the world champions in 2019. So it's not surprising that they are the favorite for this World Cup as well. And they are clearly the, the top of the class right now. The second favorite is also the runner-up of the last two World Championship, and it's Norway. Norway, as I always say, it's not good only at winter sports. This is a clear example at the, of a sport they they excel in, and uh, they, uh, they they can certainly uh, be the winners here. I'm not sure I like the odds that much of them winning because they're quite low. But if you look, if I look at the other favorites, Spain won uh, the last two Euro Championships. So the odds of them winning another tournament, three tournaments in four years, is quite low. Croatia hasn't been very good lately, and their odds do not really reflect that because they're quite low at six. And France and Germany instead are more interesting um, betting opportunities. France is um, listed at 6.5. I would normally say that a team like France in this year will focus more on the Olympics, but they really need a win. They really need to reassert themselves at the top of the world. So... France is interesting at 6.50. And then we have Germany at 15. Germany at 15, I think it's the best value you can find um, because it's a similar um, argument that I made for France. They, they haven't done very well recently. And looking at the Olympics, they might not be among the favorites. But in this World Cup that is coming before the Olympics, where the top teams like Denmark, Spain, maybe Norway will be more focusing on this on the main event of the year, they might come on top. We should go through the, the list of the different uh, groups. The format is similar to the, the one employed by the Basketball World Cup, if you're familiar with that. Basically, they have uh, eight groups of four teams, then the best three advance, and they get mixed with the best three teams of, of another group to form 
four groups of six teams, from which two teams each advance to the quarterfinals. So basically, the first stage, only one game is relevant, the one you play with the other top team in your group. And then the main round is the one where you play all the teams that qualified from the first round, and you keep the points you made against the team that qualified with you, which uh, makes for uh, a boring <laughs> tournament in the first uh, round and then a quite exciting tournament in the second round where you see whether the teams that have the surprising path that far will be uh, will still confirm that they are actually good and teams that uh, played not very well in the first round can uh, still completely turn around the tournament. And it, it happens often in handball. This tends to happen a lot. So watch out for teams that start slow, underperforming, not being very convincing, and then kick into gear when they are they have their back against the wall and they are in must-win games. So going to, to the groups, Group A is the one with Germany, Hungary, Uruguay, and Cap Verde. Germany should be the easy winner of this one. Group B is Spain, Tunisia, Brazil, and Poland. Spain should win this easily. Poland could have an outside shot uh, at kind of being a good team this year, but very long shot. Um, group C is Croatia, Qatar, Japan, and Angola. Croatia is clearly the best one. Qatar, as I said, still have a lot of players that are not really Qatari. It's not as uh, big as uh, it was the last World Cup, but they're still probably favored to come in second year. Group D is Denmark, Argentina, Bahrain, and Congo, where Denmark are the world champion and uber favorite. Group P is the most difficult one. We have Norway, France, Austria, and United States. Norway and France are two good teams. This might be, be as well the final of this tournament. And Austria is not that bad. It's a European team, and it's not that bad. So this is the probably the toughest group to be in. Group F has Portugal, Algeria, Iceland, and Morocco. Portugal and Iceland are going to contend for the first um, place. And I'll probably take Iceland over Portugal here. And then Group G is Sweden, Egypt, Czech Republic, and Chile. Here's Sweden. <laughs> this is interesting. Egypt, as the home country, could pick up their own group once they know who's in it. So once they saw that Sweden is the best team in this one, Sweden is, uh, is perceived to be the weakest of the top teams in the group, so they pick them. Now, when you pick a team you want to face, you lose. So I, I think Sweden is going to win this group. And I actually like Sweden odds. Their, their, their odds are 41. 41. That, that's, the, that, that's very long odds for a team that is traditionally good in handball and is lacking results recently. But together with France and Germany, this is the team where I say... The Olympics is not their main event this year. They know they're not going to compete in the Olympics. They might actually shock the field and advance deep into the tournament. So 41 odds for Sweden. I like them a lot. Finally, Group H is Slovenia, Belarus, South Korea, and Russia. Here, Slovenia is clearly the, be the best team. And since they match up with the Group G, which has Sweden and Egypt, Slovenia is also a very good chance to advance to the quarterfinals. They're a team that uh, is, being quite, is playing quite well in recent times. And I'm not ruling out the Slovenian run to the finals as well. I don't like much odds as much as they like uh, the one of Sweden and Germany because they are, uh, their odds are basically the same of Germany, 16 versus Germany, 15. 
I do think Germany has much uh, higher probability of pulling out the win here, but I wouldn't be surprised if Slovenia makes the semi-finals, say. Therefore, to recap, I don't see Denmark winning this one, although they are clearly the best team. If it was the Olympic tournament, I would say Denmark, Norway, Spain, exactly as they ranked in the odds. Since this is the World Championship coming in the same year of the Olympics, which is something never happens, it happens because of the schedule postponement of the Olympics, I think it's going to be an odd one. So I like the long odds, as I usually do. We'll see. Um, right now, if you ask me who wins it, I would say France. But if you ask me what is the best failure, Germany and Sweden. We'll cover the handball World Championship in the my column daily betting tips every day during the course of the tournament and look out for, uh, as I said, teams that do not look good in the first round. They're going to have good odds when they play in the later rounds and then is where you have your betting opportunities in handball. Yeah, and that's pretty much everything I have to say on uh, this upcoming event. One of the oldest sport competitions starts this week in uh, Auckland, New Zealand. It's the 36th America's Cup. The first one was held in 1851, where sailing wasn't really a sport yet. So it, it's a competition that went through several stages through history, and it never gained its footing until the 90s, where we had competitions to decide the challenger for the cup that included nine, ten boats and with plenty of races with round robins involving several boats from different countries, different continents. And it looked like it was there to stay. It was a very interesting format also for TV purposes. Many countries involved made it a very global event. But then in 2008, things starts to deteriorate until the Oracle team won it in 2010 and basically they decided to have the competition with catamarans, which to me completely killed the hype for the America's Cup, which is always mm, been at the forefront of innovation. It's basically the Formula One of sailing and having introduced at the catamaran race was a bit disheartening. Now, luckily, the New Zealand team won its back in 2017, and they decided to drop the catamaran format because it was the favorite, it was format favored by the fact that it would be low cost and it would encourage more challengers, but that's not what happened. We had like three editions where there were just one challenger. Now, finally, we're back to a class boat which is at the forefront of the innovation and if you see those boats they are amazing they are amazing you, you, I think you should go on YouTube right now and watch them they they fly over the water I wouldn't even call them boats anymore now I don't know anything about engineering especially sailboats engineering but it, this is clearly the future this is what the America's Cup is supposed to be you look at the, the weirdest advances in technology and you find anything in the rule book to try and gain an advantage. And it's actually what's happening. Right now we have like a, a controversy about uh, one uh, one technical thing that uh, Luna Rossa, the Italian challenger, is doing and 
it's been raised uh, with the arbitration rules the, the cup. Uh, this this kind of things happen in Formula One, right? This kind of tells you that we're back to where we're supposed to be when there are controversies and about technology being employed and it being it regular or not. So even if it was supposed to be more challengers than we actually have, we have only three. We were also supposed to have Stars and Stripes from San Diego and uh, a Dutch challenger. We only left with three, which are uh, Luna Rossa challenger from Italy, which is the challenger record. That's why the main sponsor, Prada, is the name of the Challenger Cup, the Prada Challenger Cup, who wins it's going to face New Zealand in the actual Americans Cup. And then we have uh, Ineos UK team, and we have American Magic from the New York Yacht Club, which is the winner of 25 Americans Cup. But they were basically the winners throughout uh, the set, up until the 60s, 70s, when they keep beating uh, the British challengers every three, four years. Now, we um, the format is a bit uh, weird, and because with only three challengers, they they had to invent something to keep having races to show on TV. Therefore, basically, they're going to have a, a quadruple round robin between those three. Then the boat that has the most wins is going to advance to the final of the Prada Cup, and the other two are going to fight it out in a best of seven series. And then the winner is going to face the team that was first in the round robin in a best of 13. So the first team to seven wins at once to the America's Cup, which is then going to be held in March. Uh, it looks like from the practice uh, regattas that we see so far that Team UK, the Inus Team UK, is a bit behind American Magic and Luna Rossa. So I don't expect them to, to be a contender at all. Luna Rossa looked a bit better than American Magic, especially now that they seem to have fixed their navigation in high winds. That seems to be the weakness of the boat. If they fix that and if they win their um, the arbitration case about this uh, technology, maybe they can also compete with New Zealand. It will be really great to see a competitive America's Cup, which is not often the case. You get sweeps, you get like teams winning 5-2, 5-3. You never get uh, to the final regatta and you still don't know the winner. So I think it's going to be quite a show to watch on TV, even for people that are not really expert, uh, like me in sailing. And uh, it's an event that I think, I hope, gathers viewers, gathers support, because if we go back to the formats where we have 9, 10 challengers, 10 syndicates competing, to challenge the, the America's Cup winner from the previous edition, it would be a much better event, much uh, more enjoyable event. Unfortunately, I don't see any betting markets on this yet, not even antepost-wise, probably because, I mean, New Zealand are the clear favorite. Um, but we might get odds on race-by-race uh, race, uh, basis going forward, I don't know. If so, I will try to post them on the daily betting tips column. So even if we don't have betting, I, I wanted to highlight that this event is coming. It comes every four years, most of the time. It's it's, it's a bit volatile, the, the the frequency. And it's the main sailing event. And as I said, it's the one of the oldest competition on earth. So, yeah, that concludes today's episode. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. 
I plan to have another episode later on in the week covering other stuff. Maybe have a special episode that I'm thinking about. And yeah, have a good uh, week, everyone.